Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken, awaken the consciousness. I think we're in the middle of some sort of rebirthing of ourselves. I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area. And currently, I am sheltering in place, so I'm currently only taking virtual appointments, which means, you know, a phone, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, or some other sort of uh, way that we can connect. But I want you to know that I am definitely um, doing a lot of appointments right now, and I'm glad that you're reaching out. Everybody out there that needs some help, I am here to help you, and of course, I do appointments all over the world. So... You can schedule yourself at schedule.reikioasis.com. And, um, oh, goodness, somebody asked me the other day. They said, Loretta, I don't actually know what you do. (laughs) Besides in-person Reiki appointments, which are not happening right now, um, I'm a channel. So I do channeled messages, angel messages, uh, hypnotherapy, counseling, spiritual counseling, past life regressions, behavior modification, emotional release work. And I do, I'm also a um, sound and music practitioner certified in using cross-cultural music in healthcare settings. Woo. So whatever that might mean, if you just need some help, just reach out and believe me, um, we'll have a very nice session and, and hopefully it will help you. If you have questions about that, just send an email to me. Loretta Brown, send it to ReikiOasis at gmail.com and I will get to it. There are a couple of things coming up for you people in the virtual world. This Sunday, March 29th at 11 a.m., I am offering a virtual crystal bowl meditation and sound bath. And for those of you that know me, you know I usually do this in person at one of the Bala Yoga locations. But of course, we're not gathering in person right now, so I thought I would just offer it to all of you. You can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. It is an hour, could be a little bit longer than that. I have a tendency to go over a little bit when the sound comes out. It's pretty intuitive and I just go with it. And so uh, it's only $20. That's a really good deal and you will feel so much better. And also starting on April 4th, I'm going to be offering a little something called Sunday with Loretta. And it's just a morning meditation for an hour, uh, sort of a reset, something to get you into your center, uh, help calm your emotions, uh, open your heart, um, you know, balance and align your energy. And um, it's just my way of trying to support people. And you can sign up for that at schedule.reikioasis.com also. And as though I don't have enough announcements, we did do our first virtual temple of the Divine Feminine. It is my monthly class for women, and we had a full house. It went very, very well, and it really, really helped people. I got a lot of good feedback. We did some meditations. We did some talking and it's really a support for all of those things that we need that Oh, goodness, like I say, the world is always a little bit chaotic, and if we can find our center, that is the way to go. I was listening to an East Indian Vedic astrologer, Camilla Sutton, on YouTube the other night, and I wanted to share very quickly just a couple of things from Vedic astrology, 
because she says that she has known forever that every 18 years or so, when Jupiter, the planet of expansion, meets the south node called K2 in Vedic astrology, that something uh, uh, of a big nature happens. And the last time this happened was 9-1-1 and the destruction of the World Trade Centers. So with that sort of energy in the sky, I don't want you to panic and run for the bunkers, right? It's not that. It's just that this is something that has gone on on planet Earth. And we go through these cycles over and over again. You yourself go through your personal cycles of highs and lows. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a good one for telling people it's okay to be human. It's okay to be divine, but it's okay to be human. You can have a good day and a bad day. We just need to have things that we can do that help bring us back. And then also during this time, I just really call on people to go into your hearts. We do have something changing a little bit on planet Earth. Um, I don't know. Some people say we're going from the masculine to the feminine. And uh, whatever that is, to me, we're all in this together. We're always in life together. None of us are here except by the grace of God, whatever your idea of God is. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> I <laughs> I come from a big family. And I remember my mother used to say, can't you just get along? <laughs> and so maybe we could all kind of try to figure out how to get along and help each other. Um, everybody could use a little bit of help. And then my, I, I just want to comment a little bit on shelter in place before I bring on my guest, who's so timely to be with me today. The uh, the title shelter in place um, is something that's it, it's a little bit of a scary term for people. So I want to quickly go through what it means. Shelter in place just simply means stay home unless you have something of a very important nature to go out for. So. You know, all of you people wishing that you could stay home, guess what? You can, <laughs> and um, you will, and you are. And um, somebody said to me yesterday, it was pretty funny. She said, you know, Loretta, I was always thinking if I could just stay home, I could get the house cleaned. And she says, I now realize that's not the reason I haven't been cleaning the house. <laughs> she really just didn't want to clean the house. So the things that you cannot go do, you can't go to restaurants, bars, cafes, nightclubs, gyms, and recreational facilities. Places can serve food as takeout or delivery, so you can't go and eat out. Um, major travel is prohibited. You can't take a car, a scooter, a motorcycle, or go biking out on the uh, freeway between here and Portland or someplace. So you can only go out if things are essential. Parks are closed. So basically the essential facilities are healthcare facilities, grocery stores, food markets, banks, um, hardware stores, laundromats, delivery services, plumbers, and things like that. My best advice to people is remember you can go outside. <laughs> Sunshine and fresh air are super important. And of course, we've all been seeing the videos of people uh, standing outside and singing together, which is a great idea. 
So I realize that some of you are experiencing shock and this is a normal, natural thing to feel. It's normal to be feeling anxious and a little overwhelmed right now, but I want to try to do something in the show today. It's one of the reasons that I'm so happy my guest is here um, to try to give you some ideas and maybe a different way of looking at this. We're just simply in a reset. It's just a pause button. It's temporary. It is not forever. And of course, we will come out the other end a little bit different. And and hopefully it's something it's a different way. That's a better way. So um, I have been seeing, like I said, so many musicians posting music online or people singing outside my window even. Now, of course, I play the piano. I open the door and play the piano and the and the neighbor leaves me a note says, thank you. Right. So we know that good health is music to the ears of most people, but what if music itself is a key to our health, our mood, and our goodness of life? So my guest today, Bill Protzman, is a lifelong musician and expert on the power of music for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Bill's mission is to raise awareness of the power of music as self-care. He holds magna cum laude degrees in piano performance and creative writing and has led a successful IT consulting practice for more than 30 years. He's a published author. He launched Music Care Inc. in 2011 to teach and advocate practical ways music can be used for self-care, and he was recognized by the National Council of Behavioral Health with an award of excellence in 2014. That is the industry equivalent of winning an Oscar. Welcome to the show, Bill. I'm so glad to have you here today. Oh my gosh, Loretta, what a pleasure. I'm happy to be here and looking so forward to what we can talk about together. It's just you know, what an opportunity. I, I have to say it. What an opportunity we have. Yes. I already feel the richness of our discussion. You know, I am a musician and I love music. And I just want to ask you, what is your response? Um, let me let me just read this. Leonard Bernstein has a, a quote that I absolutely love. And he says, this will be our reply to violence to make music more intensely, more beautifully more devotedly than ever before. And can you, what is your response to that statement and how does music play into our current situation? Oh my gosh, of course. I mean, what, what an incredible quote. I, I, I love the fact that he's coming from a musical place and you said it in the introduction, I think it's music is the one thing that we can all absorb that affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. And there are other practices you can do. Of course, you can do meditation or whatever, but this music is ubiquitous. It's like food. And to have the opportunity to leverage that, that's, that's beautiful. And, and you could see it, as you said, all over the internet. I saw the, what was it? Some symphony orchestra did a virtual recording of the Ode to Joy from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Everybody playing sheltered in place in their homes and they merged it all together. And, and it, this is a bit amazing stuff that's happening. This thing called uh, couch choir that's happening where people sing together that way. <laughs> And what an incredible opportunity for virtual music making, as well as the kind that you've mentioned, which is neighbors playing for one another or singing for one another, or, you know, chanting together. Have you seen the video of 
uh, the Chinese people in Wuhan chanting out their windows. Yes. Oh, beautiful stuff. You know? Yes. Yeah, I love it. I, I also chant, and I saw the um, Dalai Lama was chanting, and there were groups chanting. Um, well, maybe it, maybe this leads to a question here about the importance of the music and sound on the health of ourselves and our planet. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, actually, I'm actually thinking about birdsong and things like that. I, go ahead. You're, you, yeah, you know more than I do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, this is, this is a collaborative thing. So yeah. the sounds around us are so important to us. And oftentimes they get lost. I mean, you don't recognize what you're listening to all the time. If you live in a busy place, like I live in San Diego, uh, you're in Seattle, but if you go out into nature, all of a sudden you realize you don't have to filter out the sound of the freeway or the city or whatever, the, the other sort of ambient noises are around you. And it opens you up to focus on things like birdsong and, and the sound of the wind in the trees and all these other nature sounds that are very healthy for us. And it's, it's about your awareness because you don't have that, you don't have to necessarily pay attention to all that. But if you're curious enough about what you're hearing, you can really change your soundscape in ways that will surprise you. There are surprisingly healthy things you can do to based simply on the sounds around you. Isn't that really kind of cool? I, I think it's amazing. I'm also thinking about how people reach for, you know, white noise in order to try to calm themselves down. So there is a connection between uh, emotions and thoughts and sound and music. Yes, and it's one that we have innately it, we don't have to go and become experts on this stuff. It's, it's sort of unlocking our built-in uh, radar, if you will, to listen to music we need. And there are a lot of ways of doing that, of course. Uh, I love the effect of birdsong. That's an that's a intellectual effect. The high notes that sort of trickle in the background, like Mozart, it's, it's got that uh, sort of a mental acuity built into it. And then the white noise, sound of the wind, or binaural beats can be very calming or soothing. Uh, they can also be inspiring. But if you're the kind of person like my buddy who is schizoaffective, to get him calmed down, what he'll do is listen to metal. Because mm. it's, it's you know, the only way to bring the frequency of his vibration down to a place where he can communicate with the rest of us. <laughs> so it's, it's highly individual. And this guy knows that. I mean, you, after a while of playing with it, you start to realize the vibrations that work for you and you seek them out. And oh my gosh, you mentioned Tibetan bowls. That is a beautiful thing. Uh, did a recording with a Tibetan bowl player and a, and a world flutes player. That's a tough concert to give because you're playing this music and in the midst of it, which is all improvisation, uh, you're affected by the music too. So the music is mm -hmm. taking us away as we're performing. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's like making and being in your own trance at the same time. And, and um, that, of course, is something that anyone can do with music. It's wonderful. Uh, the trance state that you get with music is just amazing if you find the music that does that for you. So, yeah, what, what an opportunity. And, and to be able to find music so easily these days, right, with Spotify and iTunes and everything that's out there. So many new pieces of music coming to light. Um, rather sad story, but the way that music happens is the way that music happens. Uh, we became, my wife and I are music listeners a lot. We consume a ton of music. And we learned recently that a famous musician, an African musician, passed away. And I'm, I'm kicking myself because I didn't bring it up on, you know, where I could remember his name. But he's oh. been doing music since the 70s. And uh, he's living in Paris, and he got COVID and, and died very quickly. 
but it, we became aware of his music, and his music is wonderful. Oh, it's incredible. It's this blend of um, Afro-pop, but from the 70s, and it sort of matures throughout his career up until the 2000s. What an incredible um, opportunity to listen and honor this amazing musician that I'd never heard of before. There's so many like that right now, so many opportunities. Well, you're bringing up um, something really fascinating for me because, um, you know, I studied cross-cultural music, like went into, like you're saying, music from other parts of the world. And I, I want to ask you a question. You know, sometimes people get into uh, what I call habitual listening. Like I, I just listen to the same thing over and over and over again. Um, can you talk about the benefit of that and possibly what happens when we start to delve into music from other parts of the world or with different rhythms or that's a little unknown to us. How does that affect us? I'm probably the wrong person to to ask the question to about listen, music we listen to all the time. Um, I get bored of music too, but it takes a long, long time. And uh, most of the music that we've heard more than once is part of us in a way, if you will. It's like not part of our DNA, but it's part of the way that we in inhabit the world with our favorite songs. And wh what a beautiful way to be in the world. Knowing what your favorite songs are can help sort of guide your self-awareness of the the emotional content that you consume, that you need in your life, or that you want, the, the spiritual content that you need or want in your life, even the physical content. Um, for a while, my wife and I were listening to uh, lounge music, like poolside mm. lounge music with a great bass. And, you know, just it was like summer and we were just jiving to this music. It was so great. And then things changed and we chose another kind of music. So that awareness of what it is that you feel like you need it's like a hunger. I feel like having an apple. Well, where are the apples? You know, <clears throat> you've had apples all your life, but all of a sudden you have this, this craving for one. It's like that with music too. Mm -hmm. And we pay attention to those things and it, and it helps mind us in a way. So <laughs> long answer to the first part of your question. Um, the, the cultural awareness of music is so fascinating to me. I found a, a documentary not long ago when I was listening of all things to banjo music. I know, <laughs> but it, <laughs> But so stay with me. I on love this. banjo music. I'm good. <laughs> I, I do, too. I mean, Steve Martin, yeah. whatever. There's some amazing banjo stuff out there. So Bela Fleck is probably the world's leading virtuoso banjo player, although there's probably others. And he would say that he's not and others are. But um, he's pretty amazing. And he did this documentary where I think PBS or somebody took him to Africa, which is the home of the banjo. That was where it was invented. And Bela Fleck wanted to play Western style banjo um, at least the instrument, in an African way. So he arranged to hang out with you know, half a dozen African master musicians in all kinds of environments. I mean, one, they, they had a, about a 30-foot long marimba where they all sat around and played, and then the African banjo was there as well. It's, and you can watch this on YouTube. It's called Throw Down Your Heart. And the, the amazing thing for me, in addition to the music, was watching the transformation so, you know, he goes over there as this sort of, you know, put together white guy and, and he's going to, you know, play music with the African musicians and he comes out changed. Mm. You can see him change in the course of this video, which probably took him a few weeks to make. And, and he becomes this, um, he goes from being like the individual citizen of America to becoming more of a citizen of the world. And obviously he's learned to play 
African style on the Western banjo. And the collaborations that came out of that little documentary are incredible. You can listen to those on, uh, I think they're on all the major platforms, Spotify and whatever. But oh my gosh, Loretta, the music that changed Bela Fleck oh. also deepened him as a person, you know, and you can watch the change happen. That's the beautiful thing about opening to uh, cross-cultural or music you don't know. It, it changes you. And you don't know how initially, but you just go into the experience. Say, I'll listen to this. I've never heard, you know, I've never heard jazz metal before. So what's that like? Let me listen to that. You know, find some jazz metal or whatever the new genre is and just see how it affects you without judgment. You know, that this is hard because some, let's be honest, some music we don't like, but that doesn't mean it's not good music or that it doesn't have a, some benefit or some gift for us, provided we stick with it. I'm, I'm, uh, I love what you say, what you're saying. Um, well, I'll pull out a couple of things. Number one, I've, I, a long time ago, began to call um, sound nutrient sound. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm just so thirsty for that. I need that, right? And and like you say, I mean, I am a person who will just, there's a song and I just need to listen to it over and over and over again. And then I'm done with it. I don't know what happened. Uh, something happened and now I'm, I'm done. But also the power of music to change us. Uh, that is such a powerful, that, that is just, I just have to sit with it. It kind of stops me in my tracks a little bit. Um, I, I've got and, a story about yes, that. Yes, please do. Please do. Because listening to music over and over. So there are times where you need it. And uh, I don't know how many times I've played the same music at the piano. Being a classical piano player, that's what you do. And you still have to find the richness in it. But listening, that boy, that's a different thing. So when I came to a point in my moment where, in, in my life where I found myself really feeling like I was done and that suicide was my only option, the medicine that I took was, first of all, knowing that and saying, okay, Bill, you can always do this tomorrow, but for now, for now, um, what are you going to do? What I did was to sit with the same piece of music playing over and over my headphones. And as I sat there, and I wasn't particularly, you know, depressed or anything. I, I was just sort of a flat effect. But as I mm -hmm. sat there, this music began to work on me, and it, and it found a depth of emotion in me that I hadn't been able to find any other way. And it was a surprising depth of emotion, a little frightening, but definitely very, very sad. I wept for hours, I guess. And I just stayed with it. And at the moment that I became awake, I'd fallen asleep. But at the moment that I became awake, it was one of those it wasn't like lights and everything going off, but I felt this energy that I had never felt before. And that process of allowing the music, I think, to deeply connect with me and allowing myself to feel whatever the things were that I needed to feel that I'd been avoiding feeling, uh, I think that's what the music did for me. And it released all that and released me to come alive. So, yeah, listening to the same song. And I still play the song. You know, I've played it before. I was listening to it that evening and I... I it's a beautiful piece of music. I'm not tired of it, but it's certainly unlocked for me things that I had not um, had access to before. Mm. Creativity and peace and inspiration and energy. Just I had no idea that that was what would come from this repetitive listening to this song. And I mean, it was the process it took a few hours, but uh, what a great thing. And what an opportunity to repeat it, too. 
if there's a piece of music that's speaking to you as you're listening to this right now, you know, pay attention to that and then be with that music for a while. Put some, put some headphones on and find a quiet place and just allow that music to work on you. And, and I, I imagine that you'll have a effect that you didn't expect. And it could be scary. And that's, that's fine. You're safe. You're listening to music. There's nothing really going to happen to you. But let the feelings come without judgment. And you'll find that it, the music itself helps you do that safely and transforms you in a way that's unexpectedly beautiful. I love your story so much. Um, real similar to uh, something in my own life. But this idea that music can be a, mm, a canopy, a container, it can be the holder, the catalyst. I often cry when I listen to music and or laugh. And uh, when I was a girl, I always say the piano saved my life, right? Because uh-huh. when I couldn't yep. express myself any other way, I didn't have a voice, I could beat the bejeebers out of the piano and get it out, or I could play something really, really sad. And I think what you're saying, the suicide thing too, so important, so important. Um, yeah, just so important. So this actually lays kind of the groundwork of our conversation as music is self-care. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a station break. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk more about music as self-care and also what your top 10 songs say about you. This is Loretta Brown. My guest today is the amazing uh, Bill Protzman, an expert on the healing power of music. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show. And guess what? I am (laughs) the original Loretta Brown. Oh, it's just a joke, you know. I'm sure there's other Loretta Browns out there, and you're all wonderful, but uh, uh, that's the way it is. My guest today, Bill Protzman, and he is absolutely an expert on the healing power of music, and he has launched a wonderful, uh, I I guess, a, a business called Music Care, Inc., And music as self-care. And Bill, I want to ask you, you have written a great article called What Your Top Ten Songs Say About You. 
Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, isn't that interesting? There's, it's a great uh, article. Yeah. There, there's self, thank you. There, there's self-awareness in music. So a lot of us go through life, and myself included, because I was, I don't know, in my 30s before I got into therapy, having no idea who we are. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you about that. I didn't have any idea of who I was really about until uh, you know, sometime after I'd been in therapy, probably 10 at least years afterwards. And I found uh, in the process that the music that was surrounding me was an insight, a way I could gain insight into myself and who I am. My first therapist said to me, Bill, you're, a, you're an angry young man. And I said, no, I'm not. That's you know, like, <laughs> great. But you know, he, he was right. I'd spent so much time at the piano as a kid um, allowing feelings, and I'd spent so much time away from the piano stuffing them that all of those unexpressed feelings had gone inside me, and, and they were coming out in my music, all these big, deep, classic, romantic, classical piano music, right? It was, it was who I was, who I am. The, the emotional content was me, and, and yet in real life, away from the keyboard, I was not that. I was some other thing. You know, I, I had a different mask on. Okay, that's fine. So it occurred to me recently that people could use a little bit of insight into how to appreciate their own top 10 songs and why they've chosen them. And uh, the doorway to that is sort of looking at your top 10 and figuring out what the emotional trends are in each one. And so, you know, music has lots of emotion in it. But if you do this and, and kind of plot out the way that your songs trend emotionally, you can find out if you're someone who is uh, experiencing life in a single emotional lane or maybe a, only a few, or whether you have a full grasp on all the emotions, even the ones we don't like, like fear and anger. Um, how does your music trend? Or as I did, you might find that all of my music was trending to fear and anger and sadness. You know, it's like, where's the joy, Bill? Well, I play ragtime, but you know, my top music was all the heavy stuff, which I love. And I realized at one point that I needed more joy in, in my musical um, sort of, I, I'll call it a feast because we've been talking about music as nutrition here. So I need more joy in my musical feast. And that was important to me. So I began to listen to music that was that that sparked up my joy a little bit more than the music that sparked up my fear, anger, and sadness. And don't get me wrong. I mean, we all need to hear music that lets us feel a depth of emotion. And there are times where we have to listen to stuff we don't like. You know, there's times in life you have to do stuff you don't like. So there's music that you don't necessarily like, but that has information for you. So digging into your top 10 and sort of uncovering the emotional content is a great way of finding out what it is that's maybe subconsciously, but definitely presently minding you in your life, right? Giving you a way to feel these things that you have to feel. So that, that's what the article is about. And, and finding that insight through your top 10, not that hard. There's tools out there and the article includes one that's a, called the wheel of emotion. It's one guy's idea of how emotionals, uh, our, our emotional spectrum, our emotional vocabulary stacks up. It's pretty simple. There's tons of models like that. You can use anyone you like, but finding yourself emotionally is the key. And then, of course, because music isn't just emotional, you also can know from that um, how music is working for you mentally. Like when my wife and I were listening to all of that incredible lounge music, great stuff, you know, ambient uh, poolside, great bass beat. It's got the super drip, high driven kick drum. Um, that's fantastic for things like an adrenaline boost. 
which isn't great for thinking. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, you begin to know that. You know, if you have if all of your music is like, you know, lounge and, and EDM and stuff, well, that's great, but what do you think to, right? You know, where, where does the emotional content and the physical content sort of balance out with the, what you need mentally or the inspiration you need spiritually. So you become aware of these things and you get your ability to adjust. And of course, we all like to build playlists for things, but uh, your top 10 playlist might change as you realize there's new things about yourself that you haven't explored. You might need to add a song in an area where you've been resistant to feelings. Um, a big one right now, for example, is fear. We need a way to mind ourselves safely in fear. And music can do that. Not changing fear to something else, but allowing the fear to be felt safely because when you do that, it, it, it flows away from you. You don't hang on to it. Fear by stuffing fear, you hang on to it. By allowing it, you can let it flow. And there's great fear music out there. If any, any song from a scary movie will work. Soundtrack from Psycho. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> So, so there's, you know, there's this opportunity to, to learn about our sort of emotional holes where the one, the places we don't like to go and then to let ourselves go there. Like I did, you know, that night when I was feeling suicidal, like I did to allow those feelings to come up and to be experienced fully in safety. And that's a practice. You get good at it. And then the things that used to scare you don't scare you so much. <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing. <laughs> And music is a safe way of practicing that. I'm practicing fear. What are you talking about, Protzman? Come on, get it. But it, it's true. It works. You have, this is why, you know, the military does boot camp and drills, because when you have a practice in place, it takes, what, 16 times to make a durable neural pathway, right? So mm -hmm. your fear music 16 times, and you will, have an, you will have mastered a new way of being able to process fear. And that's powerful. I um, <laughs> I was giggling a little bit because I was thinking about the music I put on when I'm cleaning house, like Mrs. Doubtfire, right? You know, like, yep. man, it's got a beat and I'm going for it and I'm loud, right? But obviously, yep. yeah, if I'm thinking, that music's just going to make me want to get up and dance, right? Right, it's right. It's not, not working quite right. So it works on a different uh, area of the brain, I would say. Oh, it um, does. It does. <laughs> I, I, I met my wife because she was my tango teacher. And, and I'm uh -huh. not tango, but <laughs> right? Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, I, I got it. Most, I love it. Yeah. Most amazing moment of my life. And But tango is hard because um, generally speaking, the, the partner that's leading, which could be a man or a woman, has to come up with uh, basically an improvised dance based on little bits of dance step that are common in tango and put it all together and then add your own twist to it and, you know, make it look good. And the whole object of tango is to make the leader's partner look fantastic. So while the leader is doing very little in terms of actual movement compared to the partner, the leader's thinking and coming up with what happens next. And, you know, that's why you practice because it becomes easy and it flows. But, oh my gosh, for me, First of all, tango music is not music that's intellectually <laughs> stimulating. I want to just dance and move. I don't want to think about it. And yet there I am, like trying to figure out the next move while this amazing music that's taking me to a beautiful emotional place <laughs> is working oh, against boy. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of, sort of like your experience of trancing out while you're trying to play with the Tibetan bowls. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, or driving as you're trying to meditate. It's just this, these are things that don't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
so I love you know, that. The awareness is great, but um, that's why people, you know, people practice, because then they can be in the flow with the music of tango without having to think about it too much. <laughs> yeah, I, crazy. I, I, want, I want to come back to something, and I, I really want to, you know, because I want to give people little resources and ways to connect with you. This this article, what, what your top 10 songs say about you with the wheel of emotion um, I, I'm really just going to recommend people go find it on online and read it and spend a little time uh, taking a look at the top 10 songs that they listen to all the time and and in a non-judgmental way, because th- this isn't about um, judging us. <laughs> you know, if all I want to do is listen to soft, you know, um, bells, it, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. It's Correct. just a matter yeah. of, of evaluating where you are and can you maybe take a look at yourself and and, and do some self-care in a different way. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. And, and the opportunities are so rich. Yeah. I, I, a long time ago, I, I took the Reiki class and I didn't become a teacher. I went through Reiki, too. And. I've become very curious about all of these self-care modalities that are out there. And that was, I don't know, that was in the 90s. And since then, we've learned about things like trauma release exercise, TRE. You can do EMDR for yourself, which is basically just slowing down binaural beats. And we know binaural beats are incredibly effective. And they're using these modalities to, to like process trauma. And trauma itself is transforming mm-hmm. our view of it used to be, oh, my gosh. And now our view is, hey, this is an opportunity. So anything well, that takes us through, you know, it makes, takes us through these issues that we're in like right now with coronavirus. These are opportunities to apply our self-care and, and to learn more and, and find other modalities and do things that we haven't done. And what a, what a rich environment we're in right now. Yeah. And I was also um, thinking when you said that, because, uh, you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress, uh, they now call it PTSD. PTSD is the old name. They used to think that was permanent, but now we understand that is neural pathways and these things can be untangled. And I'm not going to advise anything online. I'm not qualified to do that. I'm just making a comment. In in 2011, when you launched Music Care, what led you to do that? And are you already hitting on some of the things that brought you to that point? Oh, very much. Uh, in yeah. the volunteer work that I've done in the last 10 years, I realized that there needed to be a more formal way to present music as self-care. And um, I I have been, if you will, experimenting with that as a volunteer. However, I think that it's important to have a a flag in the ground and to make a place where somebody can offer the the notion of music as self-care that's independent of music therapy. Um, Why? Because there's music therapists who are out there doing great work. Uh, they're very much in the clinical lane. That's amazing. It's a therapeutic relationship. But music has been around doing what it does uh, without music therapists for many, many more years than it's been around with music therapists. So why is that? Why do we need it? Why do we want to consume it? How can we use it intelligently? These are all questions, I think, that that deserve a formal, fundamental um, support system for people who are curious and want to try. And it, that's what music care is all about. And it happens amazingly enough that uh, popular artists, and I'm going to name one because I think it's really important to know, uh, Lizzo is doing an amazing job of advocating for self-care, so much so that people are starting to call her the patron saint of music care. Mm. And isn't that phenomenal? I mean, there, there's a recognition yes. of this that's, that's beautiful in our age. 
so like Bernstein was saying, this is this is yet another opportunity to bring music closer to our. Um, I, I, I even I even hate to say the the word self care because it's way more than that. But bring close music closer to who we are fundamentally as vibrational beings in this universe, mm-hmm. you know, and and to allow each other to to recognize the tenderness that comes from allowing my voice to touch your eardrums. For heaven's sakes, the eardrums are the most sensitive membranes in our body. Um, and, and yet we talk and we listen, and, and that act is so intimate and mm-hmm. so powerful. So let's recognize that and, and help use it wisely. And, of course, with great power comes great responsibility because we know that uh, what are they, they've got that Panamanian dictator to surrender using music, playing music mm-hmm. he hated, got him to come out of the church and surrender. So there is power in sound. <laughs> 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 right if i come out you'll stop playing that <laughs> that's it and you know and we've heard it before yeah yeah i got it i totally get that i'm sorry no we all know about how music has been used for torture and that's uh-huh. uh, sad but you know true so uh yeah use it wise but it's an incredibly powerful thing and yeah it can make you crazy but it can also make you sane and can make you feel like you belong and create connections where there need to be connections and help you process fear and anger and, and sadness in ways that almost nothing else does. Why medicate for that stuff if you can do it authentically and allow not just the emotional balance, but the mental, physical, and spiritual balance too? Music does that. I am. Um, I was thinking a couple of things. Like, number one, it is really great just to make music, to sing to hum, to dance around, right? You know, to play your instrument. It's also this magical thing that happens when you play with others or sing with others, where you begin to sort of move like a flock of birds and everybody knows when to come in and go out. You know, it's that sort of connection um, that yep. I don't know how you get any other way, but then I'm a I'm a musician, so don't hold it against me, everybody, right? No, um, I, I think you're right. There is no yeah. other way to to make music other than making some. <laughs> <laughs> and you also said something that I think is really important because you're classically trained, and 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 honestly, I am too. And I I got to the point where I literally wanted to step away from being paper trained, right? To can I just make music? Like, can I just be with my instrument and make music? And that was a whole different experience. A lot of people are real judgmental about themselves. They're like, oh, I can't sing. You know, Loretta, I, no, I can't, you know, I can't carry a tune, you know, or no, I can't play an instrument. Um, or gosh, I don't know what good music is and what good music is not. And can you talk about that a little bit? Does that really matter? You know, I don't think it does. Uh, we all have our individual likes and dislikes, and that's beautiful because it informs us. Like the way, if we were to go to a buffet, provided that there were any of them open, um, we'd all be choosing sort of slightly different plate full of food. That's totally fine. But until you become aware, then your musical uh, sort of predilection, what you prefer, may not be something that's conscious to you. It may just be something that you sort of go, oh, yeah, you know, I like the Beatles. I've listened to the Beatles forever, and, you know, and who's Lizzo? It's like that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you you really do need to take the opportunity that's offered by all of the amazing access to music to find out what resonates for you. 
And um, there's a thing in music therapy called recreational music making. Basically, it's a fancy technical name for doing things like drum circles or singing together or um, you know, chanting, toning. These are ways where we can come together and connect at a level that's nonverbal. And that is fantastic because in nonverbal connection where you're doing something with other people, you start to know one another at a level that's much mm -hmm. different than the norm. Your masks essentially disappear. And, you know, I'm a terrible singer, but I've led people singing because it's fun to do. And it creates an opportunity that didn't exist otherwise. And in many ways, it's novel because we don't sing together that much in the United States. But in other cultures where music is ubiquitous, such as Africa, um, there's a song for everything. Uh, mm. The ayahuasca journey has Icaros. I didn't know this. I didn't know that there was music in an ayahuasca journey uh, until recently. And there's an amazing movie called Icaros you can go and, and see. And it's the music that informs your passage into the other realm, right? Into the, into the subconscious realm. So music is so ubiquitous. And here in the West, uh, we, could, we could do really amazing things for ourselves to accept that and explore it a little bit more. Even if that means that you're drumming with people that you work with, wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, yeah. Like you and your team drumming together. You come away from that knowing people on a level that you didn't know them before. Yeah. Which leads to my question, what are practical heart skills? Oh, great question. Have you ever heard mm -hmm. that before? No, just from you. <laughs> oh, well, I, here I am, the leading the world. So yeah. a practical heart skill is something like kindness or gratitude or um, respect or uh, discernment. These are things that are qualities that human beings have, and they can be used for good or evil, actually. Uh, it's, it's a tough thing. But the research on practical heart skills like respect and gratitude, there's a great one. There's actual research on this. I love it when people are researching gratitude. It's like, well, is this good and how does it work? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, well, of course. But the research shows that, you'll love this, of course, businesses that practice practical heart skills uh, are do better. They, they have more durable customer relationships and they, are, they have longevity and sustainability and just all the things that you want in a business are available if you properly practice things like kindness. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, who, who, who would doubt that? I mean, the Dalai Lama is probably scratching his head, wondering why it took us so long. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, practical heart skills are, are these practices, these qualities or attributes of, of, of who we are as humans that are sort of open to something bigger than, than uh, just us, a bag of bones. They have a connection to something more present, you know, kindness, gratitude, those things we think about. They're honorable qualities. You know, they're good qualities to practice. And provided you use them for a good purpose, uh, you can really be successful in life. Mm -hmm. Seems obvious, but somebody had to write it down. <laughs> so, so, so how can, how can, well, and this is kind of a big question, but we're, I'm looking at the time we've got it. We've still got about five minutes or so, but um, how can music help people, as you say, become a better person or do better in life? And is it associated with those practical heart skills? Oh, of course. So just like you'd use music to work out or music to intervene, for example, if you're feeling sad and you want to be joyous again, uh, you can use music to enliven your practical heart skills practice. Uh, there's some free stuff. You can go and get this out there. But I like to teach music as a 
way to enliven resilience. And what that means is that you choose a, one song, doesn't have to be more than one, one song that connects you deeply with how it feels to be resilient, which feels different for all of us. But mm -hmm. in that feeling of resilience, there are going to be emotions. And if you can find the emotions that are yours when you're being resilient and soundtrack them to one song and practice that every time you need to be resilient, that song comes up for you, bing, you're there. It will bring you not only the emotional content that you need so that your resilience is not misunderstood, for example, by somebody else who just thinks you're being like, you know, overly chipper. They'll get it. They'll get it intrinsically. It will also enliven your physical practice of resilience if that's hard work that you have to do, like our frontline leaders right now who are out and you know, doing the amazing work with coronavirus. It will also enliven you mentally so that you have mental acuity to bring to that. Resilience takes a lot of these skills. And then, of course, your uh, spiritual connection and resilience to something bigger than you. And maybe in the coronavirus uh, that we're in right now, that bigger connection for resilience is all of us connected together as a like a living organism on this planet. We're not alone. I don't know what it is, it's, but it's that opening to, to the other, opening to something bigger than us. Music is such a great way to be able to create those durable practices or enliven them if you already have them. So that's, that's what it's, it's kind of all about, connecting music to a practical heart skill. Mm. So when people contact you, you know, like with your music care or, or, or the sessions that you do with people, what is it that they can expect? Well, I do a kind of empathic coaching. Okay. And what that looks like is helping people shift from wherever you are to wherever you need to be to deal with what's coming or what you're currently experiencing. And rather than being like a business coach, 10X or whatever, there's so much to this because it does involve you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, and music is the doorway. So what it feels like in a session is to begin to understand how one song is having an effect on you way beyond what you thought it was. You know, oh, I like that song. It's good. I'll put it on. We get way deep on that stuff, and you begin to learn all of how you're responding to that music and perhaps why you need it. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you and what are you working on now? <laughs> <laughs> so the where is easy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll put this in the show notes too, but quest.musiccare.net is a great place to start. There's free stuff. There's information there, ways to get a hold of me. Um, no paywall to talk to me, book an appointment, let's chat. Um, quest.musiccare.net. And what I'm working on right now is figuring out ways of getting this information in front of people virtually. A lot of, of public meetings have been canceled, of course. Um, mm -hmm. I speak to a lot of mm -hmm. civic organizations. So I can offer the content and it's scalable and online, it has been already. So being able to sort of transform what I do to, uh, to an online environment has been something that is part of it from the beginning. That's how it works. But I miss the personal touch. So being able to have these conversations like you and I talking this morning is a great way of organically uh, unpacking what it is that needs to be unpacked about the issues in our world and connecting them with solutions that are inspired by and informed by music is amazing work. So individually or with teams, we do that. And because it's online, it's possible to do it and scale it too. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where the whole game for everybody is today, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, 
just just briefly, can you talk, uh, um, just like make a couple of comments about music and children? Music oh and gosh. children. <laughs> it's kind of my hobby horse, sorry. No, 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 yeah. it's good. I mean, you and I, <laughs> we had the benefit of that because we grew up learning to play. Yeah. And when kids are in early childhood development, having music around, even if it's just listening, is really critical to the development of the brain and everything else. But making making it a practical playing an instrument brings it all together in ways that are, that there's no other way you can do it. You, you listen, you see, you move your fingers and you're learning muscle memory. And then of course you're building durable neural pathways and even building your brain at that age. So yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, when you get a little older, it's possible to connect with your adolescents over the music they love. May not be music you like, let's face it, but if it's music that they love, there's a reason. And what is that reason? So unpacking or helping them unpack their emotional connection to their music is a great way of building a bridge between adults and adolescents. And of course it goes on from there because in life, we as adults can also check in with each other and music can be used as a conflict resolution tool or as a way of understanding someone uh, more thoroughly, more completely. Because music reveals those things about us in ways that nothing else can. You know, they're just saying, saying to you, gosh, you know, I feel sad today for the situation. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. But putting on, um, well, let's go back to Bernstein, putting on the Adagio for Strings, Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings, which was written mm -hmm. at a moment of great sadness and has been used for many sad reasons since. Wow. Being in the same room with 100 people who are listening to that is, uh, that's powerful. You know, yeah. and we can do that virtually. Like I have a Samuel Barber listening party. Well, then that'd be depressing. <laughs> but on the other <laughs> hand, you know, <laughs> well, it might be required, it right? Might be required, you know, and, right? And then and shift ourselves and yeah. shift exactly because what you do after you listen to that stuff is that it frees you to choose what to do next and what to feel next, and you can yeah. choose after great sadness to go with great joy, like they do in the funerals in New Orleans, right? They play Amazing Grace yeah. slowly. Everybody marches along in a dirge, and then it kicks up the tempo, and everybody is like happy and and yeah. dancing around. Right. So yeah. So. So I want to thank you for being on the show. This is Loretta Brown, my guest today, the amazing Bill Protzman. And please find him at uh, quest.musiccare.net and a bunch of other places. And he can really, really help you. And uh, just keep doing music. I'm going to misquote Leonard Bernstein now. This will be our reply to the coronavirus and shelter in place to make music more intensely, more beautifully and more devotedly than ever before. Blessings to you, Bill. And mm, I hope we do music in the future together. Lots of love. Everybody out there, keep breathing, be kind, drink lots of water and wash your hands. Thank you. Preceding audio was via a Skype call.